John, in this in this episode, we meet a guy who's almost a hundred years old. Very sharp. Very sharp. You can tell his quality of life is still great. Mm -hmm. I, I had someone say to me, "When you hit sixty, you just start." plugging holes yeah speaking as someone who's 61 looking at 62 yeah i get it i mean I, the, the most flattering thing anyone has said to me in a long long time was a week or two ago when someone said you're young at heart and i thought i wanted to kiss him right <laughs> it's always cool in mesa yes it is it's always cool in mesa Forget the degrees and just remember this, please. I say it's always cool in Mesa. If you're from East Mesa, you might have looked up on occasion to see a shiny silver four-engine airplane that is clearly not from our era, a B-17 bomber. And you might have thought to yourself, as I have, it would be really cool to take a ride on that thing. Well, you can, because the Arizona Commemorative Air Force at Falcon Field has a collection of old warbirds from World War II and flights are open to the public. I recently signed up and on the day of my flight, I was met with a very pleasant surprise. It's always cool to miss <laughs> This episode is brought to you by our good friends at the Boeing Company. Boeing has been a major employer, local economic driver, and community partner of the City of Mesa since 1982. Join the Boeing Mesa Facebook page, One Mesa, One Team, to get all the latest updates about happenings at the site. The page features Boeing Mesa teammates and the amazing work they do for their customers and our community. While you're there, you can also find highlights about the company's long history at the site as they get ready to celebrate their 40th year in Mesa. There I was putting on my flight suit when I got the news. I would be joined on my flight by a new Mesa resident named Fred Ingstrom. And, and, and you, were, you piloted a B-17 in World War II, is yeah. that right? Yeah. How did you end up getting behind the, 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 the wheel of a B-17? I enlisted in the Air Corps. How old, <laughs> uh, how old a, a man were you when you did that? I was uh, 18. I guess I'll stop bragging to my kids about how I was working construction when I was 18. This guy was learning how to fly an airplane so he could go off and fight the Nazis. Actually, they didn't take Fred on the first try. And uh, I failed the eye test, so they sent me home, said I could retest if I wanted to. <laughs> well, I went home and ate carrots and drank carrot juice because I heard that it really would help. Anyway, whether it helped or not, I did pass the test. Whatever. That's great. So you went home and studied for the eye exam. Yes, that's, right. <laughs> that's great. And it worked. It worked. That's, yeah. I liked Fred. He laughed at my corny jokes. Is this, what's this experience going to be like, do you think? Is it going to be nostalgic? Well, I've never, I've never uh, ridden in the back of the airplane. So that'll be an experience. Yeah. I, I know sometimes with the, in the movies, when something goes wrong on an airplane, they walk back and they say, Are there any pilots on board? So I, glad we're bringing an extra pilot with us. <laughs> yes. Okay, that was a courtesy laugh, but I'll take it. And when it came to being clever, Fred was no slouch. You you're, you're live here now with your daughter, is that right? Yes. If we'd known you were coming, we would have rolled out the red carpet. Good to have you here. <laughs> Evidently, Fred knows what matters most to politicians. As he walked away, he looked back with a twinkle in his eye. I'm eligible to vote. 
I'm eligible to vote, he said. Okay, well, there you go. I, I'm not eligible to run anymore. I'm, I'm termed out. <laughs> so I wish I'd met you, you know, a year or two ago and I needed some votes. <laughs> May we all be as sharp as Fred at 97. 77 years after flying 25 missions over Germany, Fred had come to Falcon Field to take one last ride, and I got to go with him. Before heading out, we received a mission briefing. Our mission today, we're going to do some low-level reconnaissance out over um, Superstition Mountain. So keep your eyes out for flak, keep your eyes out for guns. I don't think we encounter any fighters today. And we were reminded that Fred's missions were much different than ours. Some, some of these missions were seven, eight, nine hours long. Um, they were flying at uh, high altitudes, very cold, bitter cold, heated flight suits, oxygen masks, and of course, they were being attacked by fighters and flak. When it was time for us to board, Fred and I and the others went outside, and there it was the B-17 they call Sentimental Journey. Gonna take a sentimental journey Gonna set my heart at ease And she's not the only warbird you can ride at Falcon Field. There's a PT-17 biplane, a T-6, a C-45, a C-47, and a Mitchell B-25. Who did this? Who had the vision to preserve these planes? To find out, I called Brad Pilgrim, walking Wikipedia article, and the CAF's unofficial historian. Originally, there was a, a man down in South Texas, a crop duster named Lloyd Nolan, and he had been an instructor pilot in the States during World War II. He wanted a P-51 Mustang, which everyone said was the ultimate fighter plane of America in World War II. And so Lloyd gathered up four of his other friends down there, and uh, they pulled their money and bought a P-51 Mustang. They all flew the airplane and got to play fighter pilot. And then somebody came along and said, you know, the Bearcat is a better airplane than the Mustang. And, of course, all the Air Force pilots are like, there's no way that could be true. But we'll buy a Bearcat and we'll find out. So they went out to Litchfield Park there in Arizona. And uh, that's where the Navy had, uh, you know, thousands of stored airplanes that were surplus. Mm -hmm. And they were horrified when they got there that they found out the government was not doing anything to preserve these airplanes just made them sick at their stomachs to see all these warbirds being destroyed. So they bought these Bearcats and brought them back to Texas, and it was kind of a toss-up, depends on who you believe, on which one was actually the better airplane. But it was in 1960 that they really got organized and started trying to buy copies of other airplanes, basically to keep them from being melted down. The commemorative Air Force was born. By 1963, the Texans had acquired at least one of each warbird from the World War II era. Soon, CAF units began spreading across the country, including Arizona. And in case you're wondering how ours stacks up. As far as unit museums, the one in, in Mesa is one of the, I'd say, easily top three of all the ones we have in the CAF. It's the best-kept secret in Arizona. That's the voice of Travis Major. He's the airbase leader at Falcon Field. I asked him how the Arizona unit of the CAF began. It started out back in 1978. A man named Mike Clark purchased a B-17 from a firefighting company over in California, donated it to the CAF, and that made possible the founding of the Arizona Wing. Now in 2021, 
we're the largest unit in the CAF. Is that the the aircraft that I went up in? That is. That's yeah. the uh, queen of our fleet, Sentimental Journey. Tell us about Sentimental Journey because it, it has an interesting history, doesn't it? Absolutely. Let's fill the air with eagles. Let's fill the clouds with men. So that aircraft uh, was actually built in 1944, the latter part of 1944, and delivered to the Army Air Corps early in 1945. So unlike its older siblings, Sentimental Journey missed combat altogether. But it certainly didn't sit idle. It did go out into the Pacific Theater, and it was used as a drone control aircraft. So it flew behind another B-17, which flew into the atomic tests that they were conducting at that time. Oh, my gosh. And as part of that testing, they would fly aircraft into the blast area to take radiation samples and other things. Well, have we put a Geiger counter on that aircraft lately? Are we uh, okay? It doesn't glow in the dark. We know that. (laughs) From the Pacific Theater, Sentimental Journey headed back to the States. It went down to Florida for air-sea rescue. Sentimental Journey may have never taken on Hitler's Luftwaffe, but it did do battle with the raging sea, forest fires, and heavy doses of radiation. We're lucky to have her here in Mesa. She's a reminder of the important role B-17s played in defeating Hitler's war machine. Again, Brad Pilgrim. The B-17 was you know, was really the first long-range mass-produced bomber that we had and had the ability to go from bases in the UK deep into Germany and and take the war to the Germans. It, uh, it, it held the war until there were other planes came along. And you got to remember in the early days, they were doing it with very little fighter escort because really until the Mustang and the Thunderbolt arrived, we didn't have long-range escorts to take these airplanes to and from the bomb targets. Of the almost 13,000 B-17s built, nearly half were destroyed in battle. Travis, uh, how many functioning B-17s are there on, on the planet nowadays? In the United States, there are currently four B-17s flying. We're down from about uh, 12 aircraft in this country just seven years ago. What would not just Mesa lose, but what would the United States of America lose uh, if and when commemorative air force isn't around? Well, I mean, this is our history. And it's our history in three dimensions. Not only can someone come out and see these aircraft, they can actually put their hands on them. They can also fly on one of these aircraft. That's an experience that you can't find just anywhere, and it certainly won't be something that we'll have forever. Sentimental Journey has got to be really a fairly accurate way to describe a lot of people's experiences with this aircraft. On more than one occasion, we've had somebody come out with a picture of their father, who was a crew member on a B-17, and they just want to be able to take that picture along and take them for one more ride on the aircraft. The best-kept secret in Arizona, indeed. When we got into the plane, I was lucky to be buckled in next to Fred. After about 15 minutes of warming up the engines, we headed down the runway. A few minutes into the flight, you're allowed to stand up and move around. The view of East Mesa and the Superstition Mountains is absolutely spectacular. Having never ridden in the back, Fred got to stand where his gunners stood 75 years ago at open windows 
exposed to not only temperatures of negative 60 degrees, but also to the fury of German air power. I asked Fred how he felt about riding in a B-17 again. I'm so prejudiced, I, I can't even uh, imagine anything else. This airplane is so stable, so flight-worthy. Uh, you've seen those pictures where it came back with uh, holes through the wings and the tails and those kind of things. Not too many airplanes will take that kind of a beating. So since I was there, I was glad to be in this B-17. people you know they're a lot of fun to work on they're a lot of fun to fly in and it's fun to see at air shows and all that but you can never forget that there was a time that people did this for real a half an hour after taking off sentimental journey safely returned fred engstrom from his 26th and final mission thanks for listening Please remember to like and subscribe to It's Always Cool in Mesa on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.